So let's look at uh, some of this um, information that we have learned, this truth that we have learned from Romans chapter 4 in regard to Abraham's life. Let's look at it psychologically and in regard to our own experience. You see, so many of us uh, in the Christian world have been addicted or are addicted to either drugs or alcohol or food issues or um, uh, sexual issues, pornography, and I may say even addicted to worry, to anxiety. Some of you may not think of a, of worry as a as an addiction, but when you consider how we think over the same problem over and over again with no solution, it clearly is not a rational thought process. It is, in fact, a recycling of the worry in order to escape from some other kind of pain, whatever that might be. And, of course, addiction is an escape from pain. But what we have here in the book of Romans, as I pointed out last time, in, uh, is that uh, when God made a promise to Abraham, he spoke to Abraham regarding the, uh, the fact that he would bless all the world through his seed. He spoke uh, to that as if it were already in existence, as if it already happened. He says, I have made you in 17.5, uh, that is Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, I have made you a father of many na nations. Well, in fact, he wasn't a father at the time, but God who knows the future and is in the future, it is already done as, uh, as far as he is concerned. And so when we believe we actually take on God's future. We take on our future in God, and we consider it as already done. We're not fooling ourselves. We consider it as already done. It's not already done, but we, but we act as if it were. And so God says this in regard to uh, this promise. Therefore, uh, it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, how would you consider this would affect your psychology? Well, think of this. How would you pray in the light of this? Would you pray, oh God, please let this or that happen? Please help me to overcome this or that? Or would you start praying in the reality that God sees, who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they did not, uh, as though they, I'm sorry, calls those things which do not exist as though they did? Would you not also pray in that way? You say, well, how so, Colin? Think of it. Let's imagine that you are struggling with alcohol addiction. You've tried for years. You've begged God to help you to say no, to help you to resist, to help you to overcome. And yet you fall back into it so many times. But suppose you were to say, Father, I thank you for the victory over alcoholism. Well, you say, how can I do that? That's fooling myself. I'm not, uh, I don't have victory over alcoholism. But you see, you're seeing things as God sees them because God is in the future and you are in the future with him, even though you in your body and mind are not in the future. And so you consider that God is so confident 
in what he is able to do that his future is actually his present, because he has, as it were, already accomplished it. He has finished your problem. God has predestined you and me, and all the world actually, but those who believe, first of all, the first fruits, the elect, he has predestined them for salvation and for glory, and that means for victory. That means for overcoming all things. Well, we haven't yet, we may not even this side of the kingdom, but in God's plan, in the book, in the uh, judgment, the final judgment, all will be resolved and all will be reconciled by the blood of the cross. That is clearly stated there in Colossians 1 verse 20. And so when you think of God saying your victory is already won, you're not playing a trick on your mind. You are not pretending so that you are faking it until you make it. What you're actually doing is to believe that God knows how to accomplish the future. God now knows how to bring about the final redemption and restoration of all his creatures. And you are sort of stepping on his side, voting for him, and believing along with him. So you start saying, Father, I thank you that the victory is already won. Now, it's won in many ways. It's not only won in that you finally will overcome your alcohol addiction, but it is also won in that all the guilt and the shame has been taken by Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, why is it important to say that the guilt and shame of your addiction is taken on the cross? Because guilt and shame are really at the core cause of addiction. They are the core cause of addiction. When a person is drawn to drink, there's a mindset that exists before he is drawn to drink. And it is guilt and shame, no matter whether you are aware of it or not. It can be quite unconscious or subconscious. And when it is, it depresses you. It makes you feel helpless and useless and foolish and silly. And that feeling and those feelings so overwhelm your mind that you are drawn into the addiction as a way of escape from the pain. But by faith, you are affirming that Jesus has broken the power of you, has taken your guilt, rather, the judgment for your guilt on the cross. He has taken the shame of your guilt upon the cross. He died as a judgment for our brokenness and our sin. And so we can say, Father, I thank you so much and praise you that the victory over my addiction is already won and that the battle is over. I praise you that I'm counted as if I were whole and acceptable in Jesus Christ. Now, what happens when you do this? Well, first of all, we need to ask ourselves, when do you do it? 
you might say, well, when I feel great or when I feel fine, that may be the inclination. You may tend to think that you can praise him that the victory is already won when everything is plain sailing and when you're doing pretty well. Thank you very much. Well, yes, that's a good time to praise God, but the most important time to praise God that the victory is already won is when you have just been defeated. Because, you see, defeat introduces more guilt and more shame and more self-rejection, believing that God himself has frowned upon you and rejected you. And so when you feel rejected and when you feel guilty for having failed, it is that guilt and shame that increases the force of addiction because the power of addiction is not the occasion of addiction itself, but the guilt and shame that follow afterwards, so that the guilt and shame are more powerful than the addiction itself. That's an astonishing thing, thought, but it is absolutely true. How you react to a failure is more powerful than the failure itself. If you go damning yourself and hitting your head against a wall and tearing your hair out and screaming and yelling and going into depression for a week or a month, that is more powerful than the failure itself. So you and I, we all need to learn to fail successfully before we get success over failure. And failing successfully is learning to become, Lord, I have sinned. I want to smash my head against a wall, but I praise you that I don't have to because Jesus Christ has taken the guilt and condemnation and judgment of my failure. And therefore, Lord God, I will resist dooming myself and condemning myself and cursing myself, which will make it all the worse. I will say thank you, dear Father, for your grace and mercy that has forgiven me and treated me as if I am still righteous, and though I confess my sin, I will not be damned by it, because Christ has taken my damnation. Do you see then that the most important time to praise God in victory is when you're defeated, and that will reverse your reaction to defeat, which will be a major victory in itself. So we learn by faith how to speak of the future as if it were present, not because we're fooling ourselves, not because we're tricking our mind, not because we're faking it till we make it, but because we know that our God is in the future as well as in the present and the past. He is omnipresent, and He in the future knows that he has or will have accomplished your victory. And therefore the future is as much the present to him as anything else can be. So then, this is how we learn to go forward. Now, when you praise God in the midst of a temptation, there's something else that happens. That is that you become present with yourself present with yourself. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, when you are in a, at the throes of addiction and you do not n no, use faith, 
in a healthy way, then you close down to God. The temptation feels very strong and desirable, and you know that God would not approve, and therefore you have either one of two options. You open your heart to God, which closes down the addiction, or you open your heart to the addiction, which closes down God. When you open your heart up to addiction and close down God, there's a terrible feeling of isolation and loneliness, as if you had shut down your very self, for you were made in the image of God, you see, and where there is no openness and open-heartedness towards God, there is no sense of self. You have lost your center. But when you learn to praise and thank him that the victory is already won, even if you're defeated or even if you're being severely tempted, you praise God that there is no power to condemn you and you are already safe in his hands, even if you should fall, you have opened your heart to him and developed a, cum a communication to him through prayer that makes enables you to feel present with yourself. You have not lost your center. You are in the center of your being. And that means that there will be more victory ahead because you will know that addiction cannot rip your heart out. Thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You can hear this broadcast any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, soundcloud.com or podbean.com and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. And if you would consider a donation, it would be so much appreciated. This is listener-supported radio. It's now in its 26th year, all because of God's grace and his work through you to encourage you to send uh, uh, donations. Send your donation then to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much then, and I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.